0: If you wanna pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind pump mind pump with your hosts Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Hello Chris. What's yeah. up, man? Hey, how's it going? Good,
1: brother. You can hear us okay?
0: Yeah, yeah, I can hear you all good.
1: Excellent. Where are you at, by the way?
0: I'm in New Jersey.
1: Oh, that's a good place. Never that's been. there with a big sigh. <laughs> I
0: was like uh, New Jersey yeah.
1: I hear the women Are good out there though
0: I hear they're, uh, I hear they're A little bit yeah. sluttier
2: Out there than they are In California mm-hmm. Is that true uh,
0: You know I think it's a different kind It's it's like uh, A think, different kind of slutty
2: <laughs> they yeah, the gorillas they're
0: Going for a different Like You know They're aspiring to be In New York and California I don't know where They're aspiring to be So it's kind of like don't know, no, no, Six of one Half dozen of the other uh,
1: Yeah i uh i my my ethnicity is italian i'm actually born here in, in america but uh people always talk about new jersey to me like i'm supposed to know what it's all <laughs> yeah. about over there
0: yeah because every every italian in the world comes yeah. from here for some reason i
1: don't That's, know why it's, yeah it's damn jersey shore <laughs> yeah A bunch of fist
3: pumping grease headed hey, action wow. wow
2: that was racist yeah. chris when did you when did you start um stand up when did you start
0: um, I actually started a couple years ago. I've done it on and off when I can. Um with a family and being so far from New York, it's kinda not it's not as much an option anymore. But so, I still do it here and there.
2: Were you writing before you before you started stand up? Yes. Oh, okay. So you started I've been
0: with... I've been writing since like I wanna say I started on the internet like around two thousand six ish.
1: I see. It's uh, it, New York is uh, a hotbed of comedy. Is that why you're saying it's tough, because you don't live there anymore?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, for me, I'm in New Jersey. I'm about, uh, with the Express, I'm about an hour away on the train.
1: That's not bad. So
0: if you stick around and do open mics or whatever, if you're on a show, by the time you get home, you know, it's pretty late and you got work the next day. And I could only do it one or two nights a week. So comedy is one of those things where if you don't grind and do it every single night two, three shows a night, you know. They they say that in comedy it takes like ten years to make it. Well at the rate I was going it probably would have taken me twenty five.
4: Mm.
0: So I would have been the uh, world's oldest guy. So I'm telling you like dick jokes. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: so I, I originally found you through Pro Bible. How did how did you get connected with that and, and what role did that play with your whole journey?
0: Um actually I started um I started writing on the web. Uh, I originally wrote freelance for like Ask Men and um all those like men's lifestyle websites and then one job led to another and i became editor-in-chief of this other men's website that actually folded and then i was like out of work and i just sent out a bunch of emails to places and bro bible was uh accepting of my stuff and then one thing led to another and they had an opening and i ended up there
1: i i would if i had to think of one of the most difficult jobs in the world i would think it would be a comedian no joke i mean you're standing up there and your job is just, you know, it's like people are looking at you like, make me laugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's got to be incred- incredibly difficult, especially today with all the political correctness shit. How do you deal with that?
0: Yeah, you know, it's not really so much that because when people go to a comedy show, for the most part, they kind of let go of that a little bit. I mean, if you're still going to a comedy show and you're... Getting offended, you're either looking to be offended or you just didn't realize what you were getting into. That's so true. Mm-hmm. I, I think the hardest part about comedy, like what I found to be the most difficult, is so in the beginning you're grinding and you're uh, doing open mics and stuff. And I guess the best way to relate to it is imagine uh, you just started working out for the first time, and within the first two weeks you had to enter a like a, a bodybuilding competition.
1: Uh huh
0: so you're going to get your doors blown off so with the comedy like you're doing these open mics and you're in a room of 20 people and it's 20 other stand up comics who've all been doing it anywhere from you know a month to like 5 years they're not going to laugh they're not going to you know because they're either like thinking of their material in their head or they're just not even there or they're waiting to get done to go to another show so basically you don't even really know if your stuff is working because you're doing it to a room of other people who probably aren't going to laugh anyway
3: Hmm.
1: so it's
0: really tough so that's that's what i always found the hardest like you know it's a lot of work for being up there for literally five minutes and not even sure if it's half the stuff you're doing is working or not
2: so chris you have to tell me because um I'm actually a little sh- listening to you talk right now. I was actually expecting more of an asshole. I'm a little bit disappointed that you sound like a nice guy.
0: You sound really yeah, You sound you're, really, you're not, <laughs> you sound really not the, nice. Yeah, so you're not the first person to say that, but I always say this. Well, every person that doesn't write, every person that writes murder mysteries, they don't actually kill people. <laughs> so like, I'm not actually, because every time I do an interview, they're like, wow, we really thought you were going to be an asshole. I think if I was an asshole, I wouldn't have written the book or it would be a completely different tone. It's more of like, these are the assholes that I've encountered over my life, so let me explain how I dealt with them. Is more of it. I mean, I
2: could dude, be an asshole if I wanted to. I totally connected with it. That's why I was like, "Dude, this guy fucking knows me. We have to get him on the show right here." <laughs> I'm d- totally to hit it, and I'm listening to you talk, and I'm like, "Dude, he's way too fucking nice right now. He doesn't sound like an asshole at all."
0: Yeah. Well, part of it too, like a lot, uh, when the first when the book first came out, a lot of people like would email me and go, "I don't know why I was in the humor section. It should be in the self help section because <laughs> it, it helped me." And I'm like, "What, well, dude? Wherever you bought it, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever part of the bookstore you found it in, I'm cool with." So.
1: Well, I I think uh assholes make the world go around. So, we need. I, I honest to God I think we need we need them in the world. Uh when everybody acts too nice, it's just it's like, "Come on, man." Well, I just lo- I love how he he breaks it down in the book, too. I just think it's
2: not as simple as you know, just you have, you're just an asshole. I mean, there there mm-hmm. there I feel like there's a little more to it. What what inspired you to write that? Where did, where did that come from?
0: Well, actually what happened was the first book um there was three quote-unquote authors on it, but I'll get to that in a minute. So what happened was the other two guys who were on the cover, um, they actually pitched a different book to the publisher, and the publisher wasn't really into what they were you know, trying to sell, so they were like, well, we have this other idea that we thought maybe you guys would be interested in because they were actually both from California. They both did acting. They were like acting coaches. So they, the publisher had the idea of being an asshole, a book about it, and they gave it to the two guys, and they sent back the manuscript, and the publisher really, it wasn't what they were looking for, but they were already so deep in the process that they couldn't, like, kill the book. So, actually, the guy who's in charge of it, you know, did a web search and actually found my original stuff, and I think one of the first articles that kind of, like, turned him onto my writing was, um, like, years back, I wrote this thing, it was The Argument Against Yoga and why men shouldn't do yoga. And it had nothing to do with the actual, like, health part of it. It just, you looked like a douche doing it. <laughs> so that kind of, and you know what, at the time, and still now, I really had nothing Especially personally against also. yoga, but I used to always get these assignments where they'd be like, oh, Chris will probably write something, like, you know, jerkish about it. You know, like, I just knew how to write in that tone. And this was, so I'm talking, like, Internet 2006, where not everything was, like, someone trying to troll or be a jerk about something. Like to, to read an article against something was a little bit more rare. So they found my stuff and then they were like, Do you want to be a ghostwriter? I said, Sure. And I ended up like rewriting the whole book. And they're like, Well, we got to put you on the cover. And then it kind of took off from there.
2: So so for our audience and our listeners, the book we're talking about right now is Assology. And I want, I want you to kind of talk about uh, all the books that you've done because you've done quite a few and I didn't get a chance. I tried to search around and find like which was the best seller for you, which you've got the most notoriety for. What would you say has been your your top seller or either that or the book that you're most proud of?
0: Well, the top seller has has definitely been the first Astrology book because it was one of the first of its time or of its kind, I should say. Um, Another reason it did really well is, uh, you know, the guy from the Twilight movies, Kellan Lutz? Okay. Yeah. He was like one of the bigger vampire dudes. Well, uh, like when the book first came out like a month afterwards, he was spotted in a tree reading it, and like a ton of paparazzi took pictures, and it was in like Us Weekly, and all you need is a celebrity to be holding oh, your yeah. book. Proud wow. Placement.
2: That's crazy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah and that kind of like made it take off. Um, so that's been the best seller. The one I'm most proud of, I'd probably say the second one, the cheat sheet, because that was me by myself, and it was kind of... The first one is... The first book is kind of like the why of the why you'd want to be an asshole. The second one is kind of like the how, the how to pull it off. And uh, at the time, I was just kind of like, I was really deep in my own head, and I just came up with some crazy scenarios. And so that was probably the one I'm most proud of. And I mean, I'm proud of everything I've written, but I would say the second one of the assholeology is probably... <laughs> up there
2: so w- what's it like uh writing for brobile do you get, do you interact with a lot of those guys i mean how uh, tell me that whole scenario i've been a, I've been a fan of Bro Bible for a long time, and you know someone like you who rides for them do you do you interact with everybody else is that all done online like how does that work
0: We used to all be in um in New York we all used to be in an office, and then we all kind of branched out because the way the company was moving like they were kind of they wanted us to branch out, so one guy moved back home to Florida. One of the girls moved to back to Maryland. I was in New Jersey, so they just told me to stay home. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we kind of like we started in the office, then we branched out. A couple guys are still in there, but we constantly talk all day on uh, Slack, the the chat thing. And some of the stuff we say in there is the stuff I wish could go online because we kind of really get into like if we put an article up and we like really say the, the stuff that we want to say but sometimes you can't really do that <laughs> yeah so we kind of like interact in that way well, like Group,
3: it's, group chats
0: well comedians text, right? i
1: mean to make a comedian laugh or I, is this true comedians probably have like the darkest sense of humor is, is that is that true
0: yeah i've heard some stuff like <laughs> doing the open mic i mean the great thing about open mic is you can just go up there and you can work out your stuff and say whatever you want. And <clears throat> yeah, you don't have a receptive crowd, but at least you can hear yourself saying it on a mic. Like, I've heard some things where I'm like, I can't believe that guy just said that on an open <laughs> mic microphone in front of 30 people. Because, and it's not even like it's, like, I can't even imagine where the joke is going to be in there. It's like so offensive. You're just like, okay, that guy just had to get that out of his mouth. <laughs> and <laughs> because you're just like, wow wow and then you worry about the guy you're like wow but yeah like I mean comedians are some of the most screwed up people in the world I mean to get up there like like you guys said before like to get up there and your whole sole purpose is to make a room full of strangers laugh like it's really a demented kind of like thought process that you think to yourself I'm going to stand on this stage and I'm going to make these people laugh or at least like me it's
1: really a twisted way to think about that. What's that? Uh, oh, sh- I can't believe I forgot his name right now. What's the dad's name from Full House? That he's a comedian.
0: Oh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget, Saget yeah.
1: blew my fucking mind. So I watched. I grew up watching Full House, mm-hmm. and then I watched some documentary. I think it's called The Aristocrats. I don't remember, but they're they're telling yeah. the same joke, and they're really getting twisted and demented. And he <laughs> fucking some of the shit he said. Apparently, he's like one of the worst like comics <laughs> a, out there. He's a filthy beast. Yeah. And I find that hilarious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. I've always thought about that because I remember when I was a kid that there was something like, I want to say like National Enquirer tabloid kind of thing on the cover where like they did go over some of his material, that he was a comic that worked kind of like, it's called Working Blue when you're like kind of like a little dirty. And I wonder if that would have went over well, like if it was a TV show today aimed at kids. And this guy is like a filthy comedian. Like I wonder if it would have worked. Now, no way. Not,
2: I don't. I don't think so. Not with the web, because it would have been exposed more, right?
0: I feel yeah, like that th- Disney would have felt the pressure to take him off the show, and you know,
2: that's what I, I feel the same way. Because I feel like th- back then, I could, I, most all of us, I'm sure, if we're in our th- mid 30s or more, we probably went at one point watched Full House, and I had mm-hmm. the same. I had the same uh, situation too, where I watched it forever. I had no idea that he was like that, and the first time, because you know, he did the other show too. Remember the uh he did the the home videos. He did America's right. Home videos. These he are so wholesome. So, yeah, he had these wholesome shows, and then you watch his first stand-up, and I don't think the one thing that came out of his mouth that wasn't a swear word or vulgar, and you're like, holy shit, this guy is a fucking maniac. I love him. <laughs> but you would have never you would have never pictured that with Full House going, and yet I'm sure that's how he started his career was standing up and, and doing comedy like that, but he was cast in a total different way. And in, nowadays with the way things go viral and Twitters and social media and stuff, I'm, I think that would get exposed and be put out there too much for him to be able to do that. I would think. That would be my guess.
1: I don't yeah. know, man. Today, college uh, college students just get offended for everything. I forgot. Who, there was a couple comedians that were like, we're not going to do colleges anymore. Fuck them. They keep, you know, people get offended Jerry with Seinfeld everything we say. Say um, S- yeah. what?
0: Jerry Seinfeld yeah. was one of them. Oh,
1: uh, was he? Have you worked? Yeah. Have you ever done a college?
0: Uh, I haven't. I've not done a college yet. I've done college crowds, but I've never done anything like on a college. Camp. Why are
1: they such pussies now? What's going on here? What's you know,
0: happening? I I honestly don't know. I just feel like you know. It, it's funny because I I once did this thing. I I never ended up writing an article about it, but I did this thing where I I did a call out on Bro Bible for people like. It, it was like I wanted to get like a snapshot of the college experience today because I and I graduated. Uh, 15-ish years ago, 16 years ago, and a lot has changed since then. I mean, you kind of, you had cell phones, but you didn't use them the way you did. You kind of had MySpace and stuff like that, but you didn't use everything the way you do now. So I kind of like put a call out, like, what's college like today? Like, tell me everything that I need to know if I were to go to college tomorrow. And I remember more than a few emails that I got back, people were like, honestly, I'm scared shitless to do anything. Like... If you go to a party and you're kind of drunk and you start talking to a girl, like you're afraid that if you go back to the room, like you're going to do nothing but she's going to call out something that you did, and then you're going to look like you're a, a sexual offender. Uh, I'm afraid to like drink a little bit too much because if I get blasted and do something dumb, it's all over the Internet. So it's like kind of like this 24-hour fear of doing something, even though when those are the years to like screw up and do something.
1: Jesus, I, I, I read this one, I don't remember what university it was, but they basically classified any sex under the influence of alcohol was considered, uh, like, it, it was against the, the law of the, of the college campus. That's, like, right. all sex. Well, I don't, you, who the fuck has sober sex? And you in college? guys
2: remember the uh, remember when Joe Rogan had that girl uh, had that girl on a show? We all listened to. It was one of the very first things. I, first, Joe Rogan's I listened to it with you guys, and she talked about um, what they were doing on college campuses, where girls were able just to say they were going around taking surveys that if uh, y- if you had ever been raped, and the way
1: they would, uh, lead but the, the way they would word it was yeah, like, the way has, they
2: worded it was uh, very misleading. Was well,
1: like, have you ever has a guy ever been, made you feel uncomfortable, and so and they counted that all as sexual assault. Uh, yeah that's that's a scary super scary it's super scary to me that colleges uh will won't will, you know will, will make comedians feel especially a comedian like Seinfeld feel like he shouldn't go to perform right. colleges used to be where shit gets was said that was where you went and that's mm-hmm. where the shit hit the fan it wasn't mm-hmm. like that wasn't like it wasn't like a daycare like it is now it seems that way at least I don't know I never went to college.
0: Pfft. So there you are better probably better off <laughs> <laughs>
2: Chris. chris, you do you intentionally take like different... a, a, opposing views or, or I mean, do you enjoy riding that way? Is that kind of how you are, or how does that lay or do you see the business side of it and you know that's smarter for you to do business what What goes into the thought process with that?
0: You know I used to until like if you do if you do anything long enough, you kind of like get sick of it, <laughs> but i I used to kind of enjoy that like to get a kind of get a ride out of people and kind of like work them up a little bit. But now I feel like that's all the Internet is. It's just people getting offended, being offended, offending people. And it's kind of like, or right, even that's just kind of getting old. Right. Like, you, you read an article, and within a paragraph, you know, okay, this guy is 100% doing this just to fuck with people. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least you'd be like, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe this just this guy feels this way. And you're like, no, now I can tell that this guy, I don't know, I guess maybe I've gotten jaded over the years.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know where's a good place To get a lot of good material Do you, you go to the gym Chris you work Oh uh, yeah Unfortunately oh. <laughs> You gotta, t- you gotta t- you cou- I mean that's gotta be Just a hotbed Of just comic material Right there
0: I actually worked in a gym I was wor- I was a trainer And a manager of a gym Get out of no here No way Yeah I was
1: So, so you managed The health club Like you were in charge Of the sales And all that stuff
0: Yeah you know what It was small It was kind of like I ended up being the manager Because uh, I was the only person That they could trust To like show up and not steal things and I swear to God I swear like I was the only person they could trust to not steal things not to show up on time to not do anything stupid to like jeopardize their business it was a smaller club I would say at the peak of their you know their best year they might have had maybe 400 members 450 members So it wasn't like that huge it was big enough but yeah but I was a trainer and a manager
1: Yeah. There's not, there's no
2: assholes in gyms. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Oh no, not at all.
2: How long did you do that? Chris, how long did you do that for?
0: Um, I would say maybe about a year and a half or so.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Is that all you, is that all, was that your entire fitness career too? Or did you dabble in personal training other places and do stuff besides that? I
0: did. I did personal training on the side for a little while and then it was just kind of like, okay, I need to, I need to go out and maybe get, not that it's not legit but like i kind of <laughs> needed needed a, a i was like you're i talking, was getting you're, married you're, talking, need, to three per, to you're talking
1: to three personal trainers <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I, you know what you, i had, you had to get a real it, job it, it was at, i was at the point in my life where i couldn't like i couldn't bank on people showing up all the time to pay me the 50 100 bucks to like to train, like, you know, the town I was working in, it was like kind of flighty where the people were like, you know, half-assing it and they kind of, so like you'd have like three clients lined up and all of them would bail on you. And then, you know, you're out a couple hundred bucks. For the day that you were like banking on, so you because- decided
1: you decided to go the more conservative, con- consistent route and do comedy. Already- to yeah, right. <laughs> well, for I was gonna
0: say, I was gonna say, training is already yeah.
3: a safer bet. I was
2: gonna say, training is already the 20 rule we say, where you know eighty percent of the people are already making twenty percent of the money, but <laughs> yeah. and, and, and comedy's got to be even crazier. I imagine there's it's even tougher no, in that man. Nobody's
0: That's, making nobody makes money in comedy. The, the, the top three percent make money the rest kind of do okay and then there's other people who just do it you know after their nine-to-five job that they hate
2: (laughs) so i've been uh i had a i opened up uh one of the first cannabis clubs uh, medical marijuana clubs in the bay area about Mm -hmm. four years ago and across the street was a comedy club san jose improv and I got mm-hmm. to know the, the GM and owner really well, became good friends. I was actually in a comedy club probably three nights out of the week for a couple of years there. I love comedy. And it's definitely a different breed. Listening to you talk right now, you don't even sound like one of them to me. And I feel like I've been around literally hundreds uh, and it, it was very uh, routine for most of them to come over to my cannabis club and get high, smoke, and then they go into their <laughs> thing. And they just uh, personalities seem very aloof. And you know, they, they you sound different just talking to you. I, you don't sound like a normal community. Do you get that a lot when you when you I, meet people?
0: You know what I, um, I I have gotten. Okay, so this one guy that I that kind of like he was running like a couple uh, shows here or there. Like he was like building a comedy business. He had done stand-up for, like, 30 years or so, and then, like, he was was hosting all these open mics around the city, and I was, like, helping him out doing, like, social media, and he told me, like, flat out, he was like, well, first of all, you're too good-looking, you're too normal to do comedy. People are going to hate you the minute you walk on the stage. (laughs) And I was like, okay, and it kind of blew me away, but I kind of understood it because, I don't know, like, you feel like if you walk on stage and people already assume don't like you they're not gonna laugh no matter what you say right and then i started thinking about it and the more i did it with other people like i found a way to find normal things funny or like things that happen in my life funny but like the people that are truly the best at it their lives are completely fucked up. Right. <laughs> and yeah, that's no, what they yeah, find the yeah. funny. And sometimes I'm like, maybe my life isn't fucked up enough.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. You> gotta get <laughs> some crazy Yeah, shit. maybe I need to pick up some drugs. I need to yeah, pick up some yeah. drug habits or something.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> or is. I need to like, admit some things or go see You're a psychiatrist funny. or something. Maybe I'm like hiding some shit. I don't know. Find but the, yeah, it is darkness. true. Like, there's some really demented people.
2: What, what's the biggest uh, or the most epic fail you've seen done by uh, somebody that you've worked with? In comedy, yeah, uh, or in general, I mean, you probably, you, you're probably around a lot of different shit like that. So what's what's been the most epic fail? where you're just like,
0: oh fuck. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. Um, I, there was one guy that went up there, and I, I thank God, don't remember his whole routine, but I do remember the words "playground rape." <laughs> and I was just like, like, like you you've never heard a crowd like it was. It was not only dead silent. But it was dark, and I just felt like everyone's face looked exactly like mine. Like, oh. what the fuck did he just say? And it was, like, really, really bad. I'm so start- and like, How did he deliver it, I'm starting the hashtag to tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't even remember, because here's the thing, and I, and I always say this about comedy, but I, I always feel like no topic is off limits as long as you make me laugh. Of like, course, if there's a right. joke to it, that's fine. But if you're saying it just for the shock of saying it, it's not. It's obviously not funny. So, like, if, if his jokes were good enough that I remembered the punchlines, mm-hmm. then, okay, I get it. But, like, when, when you're just sitting there and you're just like, when you can't wait for it to be over because you feel uncomfortable for the guy, you feel uncomfortable for yourself because you're listening to this guy, and you're just like, you know, so... That kind of that right there and you and you and you know what's funny is for for that guy, there's like seven other guys that are exactly the same way. yeah, it's not like this is one rare guy like I've seen yeah. many.
2: oh no, men- I've had that happen mm-hmm. being like I said, I've been in the being in there three times a week. I remember like, so many times talking to my buddies and I'm like god dude i felt so bad for that dude i just wanted him to get down because it's just that that constant every time they throw a punchline and nobody yeah. is laughing it just i feel so awkward it's got to feel mm-hmm. 10 times more awkward for the well, dude we have standing to completely
3: on stage. own what it is you're talking about right it's like everybody's right. like all into what you're saying and so if you just say something that's a little bit off you just got to eat it right
0: yeah, and those are the guys that never go away like that guy will go do it five nights a week He <laughs> won't get any funnier but he'll keep doing it like five nights a week where keep there's trying, the people man. where you see them and you're like oh man like there was this uh, there was this girl that I was friends with and she still does it occasionally but she was a comic and she was hilarious and I'm just like god I hope she keeps doing it because she's funny now but if she really works on it she's going to really be something and but then like just the grind of it just gets to you and she doesn't do it as much now but the guy telling the awful jokes there's like for him there's nothing else oh, Like man. his life there's nothing <laughs> else But she's like oh she kind of had a podcast going and then she did some writing for some shows and she kind of took it off in that way but the other, the, the guy telling the, like, playground rape jokes, there's nothing <laughs> else. It's like, sorry, it's hop from 7 to 6, and then it's going and telling offensive jokes on that long. <laughs> and that's all they've got.
3: So what, what do you say you, you enjoy more, writing or actually getting out in front of people and doing your stand-up comedy? Which one do you, do you prefer?
0: Definitely doing the stand-up. Writing is good, but, you know, you write something, and you put it out there, and you can't, like... I can't hear somebody in like Idaho laugh. <laughs> you yeah. know, I put something out there. But like when you go out and you actually hear a room full of people, laugh, like one of the one of my best experiences, and it's it's gonna sound like the worst experience, but it was probably one of the best. Um, so I, I, like I said before, I couldn't find uh, I couldn't go to New York all the time, so I was like trying to work on myself around here. <clears throat> so I would just go to like any open mic in my area. The problem is, like, a lot of the open mics around here are mostly music. It's like music and maybe one or two like poetry readings, mm. but like no stand-up comics.
3: So you ever do so like I, a hybrid of all the three?
0: That, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. to fuck with them. Do yeah. a little hybrid of a little all hybrids. Little sing. Oh uh, yeah, they, they do little not. Little yeah.
3: <laughs> A Little magician thing, and then a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so they have all these those kind of open mics. So I called up this one bar that was in like this like seedier part of town. And they're like, yeah, we have a comic, come on down. So I go down there. There's probably like 30 people in the bar. And it's one of those bars where, so you walk in, and on the right is like a an open table area which looks onto the stage. And then pushed against the side is the bar, which kind of runs the length of the room. So there's probably like 10 people sitting in seats, and then the bar is like full All kind of like half facing the stage, half like facing each other. Mm -hmm. So they do like about an hour of music where it was like everyone like just jams and stuff. So I'm just sitting there drinking beers, you know, like hanging out. So, like, all right, yeah, now we have a comedian. And like the whole place like kind of like turns around and (laughs) stares as I walk on the stage. I go in, I'm like, I don't even maybe know, 10 seconds into my routine. It felt like it probably wasn't all at once, but it felt like all at once everybody at the bar. Just turned their back to me. Oh, oh, Why, and went the other way. And look the other way. The the crowd paid no attention. There was one dude up front watching and laughing. And I don't know if he was just laughing to make me feel better <laughs> or like genuinely laughing. So, long story short, I do 10 minutes. Guy comes back up and says, like, Hey, thanks, man. That was great. And then went back. They went back to jamming. I hung around for like another 20 minutes and I left. That night was more exhilarating than anything else. Really? Because you're, you're kind of like, you know what? Fuck those people. I'm going to go back there one more time and I'm going to make them laugh whether they want to or not. And I don't care if they want to hear comedy or not, I'm going to do it again. So it's just kind of one of those things where that high, you don't get that from writing. Uh, Oh, right. You look at writing and you're kind of like, Oh, that was pretty good. And then you enjoy it for a minute and then you're like, oh god, the rest of my stuff is yeah. well. That's you
3: can actually watch people. You can win them over in a sense. Well, it right. sounds like you have a little bit
2: of a competitive spirit to you. That's what that sounds. I mean, that sound That's kind of how I feel about stuff too. When I fail at something, I'm just like, all right, it doesn't piss me off. I just I look at it as a challenge. Like, okay, motherfucker, I I'll, yeah. I'll get you next time. Yeah. then type of deal. So, do you are you are you an athlete? Did you did you play sports growing up? That's a, it.
0: Sounds like you. Uh, have- I played some baseball. I ran some track. I just kind of like. I don't know. I, I feel like I know when I'm right. And if I thought I wasn't funny, I would stop. Like it was one of the things where I tried it once or twice, but I've been up there and I know I'm funny. Like I did, I did one show. Um, it was like the weirdest experience because it just kind of like happened. A guy reached out on Facebook. He's like, Hey, I saw one or two of your clips online. We do this show. Um, it it was, it, it was in New York We can give you, like, five or six minutes. We'd like to, like, have new people come on. Would you like to do it? I was like, sure. He's like, just bring one or two friends. He's like, there's no, like, it's no bringer thing, but just bring one or two people. So I was like, okay. So I brought two friends down. The place was, like, packed. Uh, I did the show. There was eight of us. Um, Of the eight, the other seven people have all gone on to do insane things. Like, one guy was, like, the second guy left on Last Comic Standing. The next guy was, like... Uh, he, now he's writing on a TV show. It was like all these people went on to do insane things. And at least I had that one thing that I could say that I did that. Yeah. But that, after that night, I was like, you know what? I can kind of hang with these guys. Like, I got a couple laughs. You know, I, I, my stuff did well. I, I didn't, I wasn't as huge as them. But I still at least made the audience laugh. I wasn't like a dead spot in the middle of the show. So it's like kind of one of those things where that, that competitiveness kind of has the be in there. So I like, okay, I didn't get it this time, but I'm gonna get you next time.
2: How long um, how long do you feel like you were really grinding away at your craft before it started to started to pay dividends for you?
0: You know what? Um, I kind of I was lucky where I, I, I can't say they say you you should really bomb you have to really bomb before you really can get into stand-up comedy. I can't say I ever had besides the the bar thing, I, I guess you can call that bombing. <laughs> but before that, like, I never really had that bad of an experience where I'm like... I've never had that one experience where I'm like, oh, my God, that was the worst night of my life. I can't believe I've done that. Like, mm. from the beginning, I kind of did okay, and maybe that was my problem. Maybe I should have bombed, and then I could have learned from that. So it wasn't that awful. There was never anything that made me go, oh, man, I'm never doing that again. So at least, even if it was, like, a terrible night, I would at least get one or two solid, like, couple less from the crowd
2: yeah,
0: and it, it was just one of those things where you just look at it and my own fault I started too late I, you know I I, God, I started doing it when I was in my early 30s when I really should have been doing it either in college or after college back when I had a ton of time on my hands and uh, didn't care and was already poor so it didn't matter you know <laughs> right. but it was just one of those things you just put off and put off until one day you're like okay I'm going to try this and then you're like Damn it! Why didn't I do that ten years ago?
4: <laughs>
1: well, you got you have kids, right? Yeah, I have two. That's got to give you some material. Yeah, it did. I uh, mean, being a dad it, is a, is hilarious half the time.
0: Yeah, you know what? It gives you material, but the hard part about that, at least for me, is like there's this fine line between making fun of parenting and making fun of them. Right. And you try not to do the make fun of them part. Right. Right. So that part gets kind of gets kind of rough, but yeah, they're definitely. A ton of material because kids just don't give a shit <laughs> that's a unique
2: perspective i've never really thought about that right and that's something that you have to take into consideration right you don't want to get up there and demolish your family and, right and make them feel like shit but at the same time too there's hilarious material that i'm sure you get that's that's definitely a fine line you got to probably dance yeah. there
0: like i'll make fun of myself you know all i want but i don't i don't want my kids because they didn't ask for it you know they didn't have to be pulled into Now sometimes like it drives me crazy when i see people like they'll make up uh, like Instagram accounts for their kids or like start Twitter accounts. And it's like, he didn't ask for that. What are you, right. what are you doing? Or people <laughs> squat, people squat on like Twitter names for their kids. I'm like, you really think Twitter's going to be around when your kid is old enough to care.
3: <laughs> That's
2: funny. I didn't even think about that. People do that.
0: Yeah. I, I know. Oh Yeah. I, that's weird. You get a lot of weirdos parents. on
1: the internet anyway. Why are you posting all kinds of? I don't know. It just seems yeah. weird. To yeah, me. but don't you find that's even cra- to
2: squat on a name just so your kid has his Instagram? These name. These are the same
3: Facebook? parents that use leashes. Yeah.
2: yeah, that
1: you're right, dude. Those are the same fucking
3: they're they're
2: parents. You got your fucking leash on your kid too.
1: <laughs> well, hey, hey, Chris. Before we sign off here, you want to plug some of your some of your stuff for our audience, where they can find you and check out your stuff.
0: Sure. The easiest place to find everything is just my website. It's com, and I'll spell that out. And it's i.com And I'll put it out there. It's my real name. I did not make it up. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I get that. that question all the time. Uh, it's legit. It's not a pen name. It's my family name i'm not part of the illuminati you're not a lizard the, person no. no i would have been kicked out if i like, took name you don't like see bobby ku klux klan running around you don't take the name of a, you don't take the name of a secret society if you're in a secret society you're doing it wrong so, yeah so that's not it's my legit last name so that's you, you where you can find you. basically uh, everything no we don't
3: all right
4: brother
1: it's been a pleasure talking to
3: you all right thanks guys take it
0: easy you right, I it?
4: thank you for listening to mind pump If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic, nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs.